Welcome to the newest edition of the Sports Speak podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sagey, joined today by Nathan Taylor to discuss the fallout, the Daniel Ricciardo victory, the Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton accident, all the fallout from the Monza Grand Prix in Italia. Let's go. He left Red Bull, he went to Renault, he's gone to McLaren, he's going to get the victory now. It's McLaren and Ricciardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Lando Norris comes home to make it a 1-2 for the men from Woking. Start the celebrations for McLaren, Ricciardo's done it. The 1,204-day wait is over. That roar signifies Daniel Ricciardo's first F1 victory since Monaco 2018 in a Red Bull Nathan. He was sublime. It was an absolute joy to watch. Nathan, hello. Let's get into it. Hello. You um, you okay after the weekend, mate? It was a big weekend. There's a, there's a, lot, there's a lot going on. Daniel Ricciardo's amazing... <laughs> Where did this come from, victory? Absolutely. Or- We're a couple of Aussies. Let's talk about the Australian. Really, really strong weekend from Danny. I think he, um, I think the format really suits him. He, you know, he, he looked pretty good at Silverstone as well when they had the sprint qualifying. So, you know, I think this is really good for him and more reps in the car, I think doesn't hurt. But certainly, I mean, whatever he did over the break seems to have worked because, yeah, I mean, he looked, he looked really, really good in that car yesterday and, you know, it's it's about time. I think. What did he say when he um when he was interviewed after the race? He said, you know, for those of you who think I I went away, I just no. What did he say? For those of you who think I disappeared, I just I just went away for a while. He said, yeah. He um, said, I, ne- I never left. I just moved aside for a while. Left. Yeah, and he was just he was just great. And he just man, his energy when he's on fire is just so infectious. And you know, you saw his his whole celebration up on the podium was fantastic. He got Zach up there. He got. Lando up there, even Valtteri looked like he was having a good time. You know, it was it was really it was just joyous. Joyous is the word I'll use. Valtteri managed to pull his internal Drax though, and was so still that he didn't do a shoey. wasn't Didn't do a shoey. wasn't a, wasn't visible to the naked eye. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, his form the last couple of races actually. I thought he outraced Lando in the previous race in in the Netherlands, but. The team did a strategy to try and help Lando move up the field. Uh, so Daniel's race was somewhat compromised. But six thousandths off in the qualifying, which is more like it. You know, that's that's yeah. more like the guy that was, you know, beating Max Verstappen two seasons in a row. Granted, Max wasn't the driver he is today, but this was the Danny Rick that wiped Sebastian Vettel, three-time world champion, the last three years before he joined the team, off the floor. So... Yeah, so encouraging because I was, I'm a huge Danny Ricardo fan, and I was a bit worried that I was like, "What is happening with this man?" Like he, he was so good. What, 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 what? Yeah. Where did the mojo go? And now, you know, he I raced. Mean, I think he was we, faultless. We've he, seen this from Daniel before, right? We we saw this when he when he went to Renault. He take he takes a he takes a bit of a time to to warm up and to get used to the car and used to the team. And you know, I think it was only a matter of time before a man of his class and and his standard of racing was, was going to just click. And, you know, it, it was, 
for me, being a being a huge F1 fan and loving, you know, the the midfield battles that we get every year, this for me was like such vindication for McLaren. You know, they've worked so hard. Man, I mean, 2018 was an absolute dog of a year. Zach Brown came in and just inherited an absolute shit show. And, you know, he's been able to rebuild this team and he's got he's lucked out because Lando Norris turned out to be one of the most mature 22-year-old drivers on the grid and he's just absolutely, he's just world-class. Maybe that's part of why Danny's looked worse than it probably is because in Renault he was coming up against the Hulkenberg, I think, in that first season where he's getting used to the car and Hulk's never set the world on fire. And then, yeah, well, at least that was his second year. But when you've got a kid like Lando who you have argued is the driver of the year, uh, yep, it's, 100%. you know, he hasn't had that wiggle room that he's had previously to adapt to the car. He's looked slow because Lando's been so fast, but yeah, six thousands off. I mean, he, he raced spectacularly in the sprint to pass him and, uh, running, running to third there. And then obviously Bottas took his penalty and Bottas was clearly an incredible weekend for him to finish on the podium from the back of the grid on a track where most others couldn't pass. So it was a yep. pretty, pretty impressive run from him. But back to Daniel, I mean, he started the race, he got the inside drive up on Verstappen and just parked the car in front of him on the apex and held him, held him for a while and pulled out a gap on Norris. It was, I mean, I was blown away. I thought maybe he's burning yeah. up his, you know, you're expecting the worst at this point. I was like, maybe he's burning up his tires faster than everyone else. And no. Uh, it was it was great great management from him great race management I think up front for starters um, but that start I mean you look at the the start that both of them Norris and Ricardo got uh, in the sprint was I mean super impressive impressive enough that Lewis had to had to choose well which which, which one car do I yeah. do I cut off and then Danny in in the race yesterday I mean gosh it's like he was fired out of that start. He just came out of nowhere and against Max Verstappen, who let's face it, it's no, no slouch. slouch when it comes yeah. to starting races. Absolutely. And, um, and yeah, it was just, it was just awesome. And of course, you know, then you've got both championship teams under a bit of pressure. They make mistakes in the pits. Before we do that, let's play a bit of this, what happened with Max and, and, and Lewis, because they were both threatening Daniel. There was nothing certain about Daniel. He led the race. He did really well. He got the pit stop right because he was clearly pulling away from Verstappen immediately thereafter. But Max had a really slow pit stop, 11, I think it was 11 11, seconds. 11.1 seconds, yeah. And then Lewis, two laps later, had a four-second pit stop, so also a slow one, and it led to them being on the same piece of tarmac going into turn one. Hamilton comes out onto the racetrack now, and is he going to be ahead of Lando Norris? That's the big key. No, he's not. And there's Max Verstappen right behind Hamilton into the first chicane once again. It's wheel to wheel. Hamilton and Verstappen, and this time Verstappen and Hamilton have crashed out, and they are both out as Hamilton came from his pit stop, rejoined the racetrack. Lando Norris was ahead, and in their desperation to stay ahead and to get ahead, the two championship protagonists have taken each other out of the Italian Grand Prix. Excellent commentary, firstly. Really enjoyable commentary, that. Good on him. Well done, Crofty. Yeah, Crofty Crofty with the goods for once, which is nice. Set the scene. Uh, Your initial thoughts, we'll we'll talk about some of the reaction from the commentary 
thereafter. Um, but um, your thoughts on the accident? I mean, we we were we were texting viciously um, throughout most of the race yesterday. <laughs> we, we were. I was um, trying to enjoy it, and you were rattling on about the commentary. But carry on. So well, well, yeah, that's another story. <laughs> um, I think after Silverstone, we were waiting for an actual incident that was going to take both of these drivers out. I think everybody, every big race fan was was just looking at this as it, as if it was going to be inevitable. Monza was probably the perfect track for it to happen because it's quick. Um, there's lots of tight corners, particularly around those chicanes at the beginning of the, of the circuit. And that's exactly what happened. Look, when I first saw this, I think I definitely thought that Max was maybe pushing a little too hard. That was my initial reaction. And I'm an unashamed Max fan. On the on the replays, um, and for, for those at home that haven't maybe seen the footage, go and watch it because it's pretty pretty bloody spectacular. If you can watch the slow mo footage as well, it's it's you know amazing to see one red, Max Verstappen's car just completely lifting off and, and pirouetting in the air. Um, but number two, Max's rear wheel coming down on Lewis's head, basically being saved again by the halo. You know, and it was and it was incredible that that Lewis was able to walk away and Max was able to walk away from the incident, which is another testament to the safety of, of Formula One these days. But when you watch the replay and you really watch the the way Max and Lewis were both navigating those first corners, I actually thought it was a racing incident. I thought it was fine and there was there was kind of no no real blame to be given. However, um, and I'm sure we'll get to this, the stewards saw it differently. But look, it ended up with with Max literally on top of Lewis's car. Lewis trying to trying to back out and restart the race. You know, I mean, in an act of desperation. But you know, ultimately, both both championship contenders out of the race. And yeah, our, our championship remains the same as what it was before Monza. And geez, it's just this is the stuff that we'll be talking about decades from now when we talk about you know Lewis and Max. Um, and their rivalry, because I feel like this is really the the boiling point. This is the the real peak of of this rivalry, because all of a sudden Lewis is being challenged in a car that that he doesn't really understand how it's so fast. You can see every time Max finishes a race, Lewis is walking around that Red Bull trying to look at something, trying to find something that makes sense to him as to why this Red Bull has so much pace. And it's great for the sport. It's great for all of us at home because it's super exciting. And um, I can't wait for them to get back on the back on the track at Sochi because it's it's going to be an absolute barn burner. Yeah, it's got for me. It's got Senna and Prost feel about it. Like this, and sh- you know uh, Schumacher Hakkinen, where you've got Hakenen. where you've got two cars that are just so equal. You know, different tracks will favour one over the other. The Red Bull looks faster overall, but watching them race each other, it, there's there's no quarter given by either. Mm-hmm. And I mean. I think we're in unison in saying that in Silverstone, Lewis clearly shunted Max off the track. And mm-hmm. on this one, the stewards have seen it, as you touched on, three-place grid penalty for Max Verstappen in Sochi at the next race. So they have attributed the blame to Max for that incident. And I can understand that, even though I'm with you, I saw it as a mm. as two immense drivers battling for a world championship in a tight chicane where they just... They just ran out of room and I don't think Max was out of his, and I think, you know, some of the drivers, even Daniel Ricciardo was asked, uh, asked about it post race. And he, he looked at it and watched and went, he sort of went, Ugh. and then he went, look, it's a racing incident because by the time you realize, like by the time Max would have realized that that gap was closing, it's too late. You're already there. 
or you're up on that curb, which the curb probably yeah. caused the accident as much as anything else. So, yeah, they, they take each other out, as you say, five-point lead, and then we go on and, and Ricardo and Norris end up one-twoing the race for McLaren, which was an incredible result in and of itself. But going back to it, I did want to touch on the commentary after the race. There was quite a bit of analysis thereafter, and you had Paul DeResta, mm-hmm. Felipe Massa, Daniel Ricardo, Martin Brundle during the race called it a racing incident. He said Max had every right to be there. They've all said racing incident, but... Damon Hill and Johnny Herbert came out very, very strongly in the opposite direction. I'm going to play Damon Hill's comments because I found them. Please. I, I yeah. just found them incredible in, in the moment yep. as I listened to them. I'm looking at that rerun of uh, Max on Lewis in turn one. I, there was no way he was going to make that work. He had to take evasive action, as Lewis did uh, in the second chicane uh, previously, uh, to avoid an accident. So the only conclusion is... He, he, he might have been thinking, I have to take him out. Now, I don't want to think that. I don't want to think that of any driver. But I, I think it was either an error of judgment or it was a calculated move um, to collide with, with, with Lewis, which is, which is strong, strong stuff. I, and I, I, don't, I don't, don't like the idea that I'm accusing anyone of doing that deliberately. But he's got a points advantage. And this was a race that Mercedes was supposed to win. It's, it's all backfired. And Max has come out with still with his championship lead. Before before you give your thoughts on that one, because I know you are a Max fan, I want to give my version of what I thought immediately listening to that. I text you immediately and I said, Damon Hill is off his tits. Why is he talking about a five-point advantage like it's a big deal with eight, nine races to go? This isn't. This is a man literally in his own head about what Michael Schumacher did to him 26 years ago. It's Absolutely. not the last race, Damon. It doesn't matter that he's ahead by five points right now. He loses one race, he loses his lead. It's that simple. This Absolutely. argument that he's sat there and calculated that he's five points up in the middle of a corner on a track where he was ahead for a majority of the race. Are you kidding me? What is he talking about? When you, I think for anyone who thinks that this was Max being calculated and, and taking out Lewis and himself ultimately – um, from the race because there was no way he could win from the position he was in. Watch, watch the incident. Watch the incident and watch, watch Max in midair being completely out of control in what is essentially a, a death trap full of fuel. You know, nobody takes that risk. Uh, Max is, he likes to live life on the edge, but, you know, there's, there's just no way that, that for a second Max thought, oh, this is my opportunity to get rid of Lewis and myself from the race so I maintain a five-point lead going into Sochi. It just doesn't doesn't compute to me. And for, for the way Damon said that and the way he was like, oh, I, I don't want to I don't want to say it. I don't want to believe that. Well, then don't say it. Like, just shut up, Damon Hill. Like, why are you on commentary for starters? You're an idiot. Um, <laughs> you, you offer nothing at the best of times. And the best part about this was he finished his little, you know, soliloquy about how, how how Max had basically thrown the race, and Christian Horner was right behind him, about to be interviewed by by the team. So, I mean, not only do you have egg on your face because you look like an idiot and sound like an idiot, but you know, this is a, you have to have a relationship with these these race directors ultimately at the end of the day, and you know he's just completely compromised that relationship. Now, you and I are not fans of Christian Horner, but I just don't understand why on national television or on, on global television, you would 
you would go and postulate and make these absurd claims about a, an elite, elite, elite athlete. Look, like, I, it's, I, like, it's the equivalent of saying, you know, Usain Bolt is running a race, running the 100-meter race, and he sees someone who might catch him, so he just tackles him <laughs> out of the race. <laughs> Literally. Like, that's, yeah. that's essentially what Damon mm. Hill was saying, and it's, it's preposterous. On a few levels, he's just living, for starters, he's clearly living in his own head 100%. of what happened to him. And and I guess to acknowledge that, 1995 in Adelaide, final race of the season, Schumacher's got, I think, a one-point lead, yep. and Damon Hill's catching him, catching him, and goes to pass, and Schumacher does the uh, infamous turn-in and, and takes them both out of the race. The same move he would try uh, two years thereafter with yep. Jacques Villeneuve, and it didn't work for him. He's just living in his own alternative reality in this world to think it's different on so many levels for starters. One, Max was the one making the overtake in this yep. instance. He's not trying to defend or knock a guy out who's smashing him on speed. He's about to try and pass the guy. Yeah. Now, would he have got past him if he didn't make that turn stick? It's arguable. Possibly not. But the suggestion that he's gone in there, the, the fact of the matter is you just have to look at two races of history here to go, Lewis didn't give a quarter in Silverstone. Max didn't give a quarter in the rain on the race before that. We come to a third incident where they don't want to give a quarter. It's two guys who don't want to give the space, and that's okay. I lo- As a fan, I'm enjoying watching them race and thinking, this shit could go off any minute. It's what makes the stories that we are just talking about. You Senna Prost, your Schumacher yeah. Hacken, and although they never really collided, but... You know, you're Alonso and Schumacher. These guys didn't, you know, there was a real rivalry there. And I'm quite happy to watch a genuine real rivalry in the sport without having to accuse somebody just because they had an incident of deliberate malfeasance, deliberately trying to take out one of his fellow drivers. It doesn't compute. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense. It's a nonsense. It's a nonsense argument made by a dude living in the past. Yep, completely. And look, for, for what it's worth, and we will get into the commentary uh, if you don't mind, but for what it's worth, I mean, the Sky, the Sky commentary team for F1 is almost, to, to, to a man, one of the most biased commentary teams that I've ever listened to. You know, they are so pro-British racing drivers, particularly the Mercedes team, particularly Lewis Hamilton. You know, I think I said this to you, you know, there was multiple times throughout the race where, you know, Lewis couldn't catch couldn't catch Lando uh, and the commentary team would have you believe that he was closing the gap and closing the gap and closing the gap on the flip side. You know, you had Max who was equal distance behind Daniel Ricardo, couldn't close the gap and couldn't close the gap and couldn't close the gap. And the commentary were just shitting on Max. Oh, he can't do it. He can't catch Daniel Ricardo. This is a disaster for Max Verstappen. It's like, it was almost a carbon copy of each other when you were watching it. And it was just, it really annoyed me. And I know you got the shits with me because I just kept going on and on about it. <laughs> you but, did. Yeah. But you know, when, when I, when I'm watching, I, look, when I'm watching sport, I don't mind a particular bias, you know, one way or the other. If, if you're a, you know, you're a Mercedes fan, fine. You're a Mercedes fan, but you still have to commentate the race as a professional and you still have to, you know, make comments like what we're talking about, Damon Hill right now, and Johnny Herbert, you know, who shouldn't get off very lightly. No, he, he, he was pretty re- incendiary things as well. And not only that, he wouldn't let anyone get a word in. He just kept no. insisting that Max was dirty. And you're like, mate, mm-hmm. you need to just take a chill yep. pill with your fair racing innuendo constantly. Like, Absolutely. neither of these blokes came out hard on Lewis for Silverstone, which was far worse, far worse. A lot worse. And And to be fair... A lot more dangerous for Max. Absolutely, Max could have seriously, seriously hurt himself 
in that incident in, uh, in Silverstone. And I mean, the, the incident we had yesterday was obviously very, very dangerous, but the speed that they were going was, was yeah, relatively I mean, slow, incredibly yeah. slower. Yeah. So, you know, but look, I think getting back to it and getting away from, from the penalty and getting away from all of that stuff, this is why you watch Formula One racing ultimately. You know, you watch for these battles. You watch for the, you, you want to see mongrel. You know, you want to see a bit of argy-bargy. You want to see like that real fighting spirit. It's why you watch any sport. It's why sport exists because if, if people weren't competitive, if they weren't prepared to push to the very, very limit, then why the hell would you watch? Agreed. Yeah. The commentary doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. Sky Sports is a UK you know, feed. So yeah, they're going to give Lewis Lando and fucking George Russell oh. all the attention in the world. George <laughs> Russell, sorry, he's running 12th. I don't give a shit. Can we talk about like, S- I know I mean just during the race, but <laughs> I mean, Esteban Ocon had a really interesting race with a bunch of penalties. We didn't hear a word about him. It just, Charles, Charles Leclerc had a great race. Charles Leclerc um, had a good race. Yeah. I mean, it just got a bit like, can we, and especially after the race, cause I don't often stay back to watch, the likes of Damon Hill and Johnny Herbert spew their hot garbage, but I did because Ricardo won, and there was just no coverage about McLaren, who won their first race for nine years as a constructor. Uh, was, yeah, you know, you know what also pissed me off, and and this is this is probably a, a small thing, but it, it still annoyed me. They kept talking about Sydney time. Daniel Ricciardo was in the lead. They kept talking about Sydney time. <laughs> it's oh, it's, it's midnight in Sydney. It's midnight in Sydney. I was like, the guys from Western Australia. Like and then and then even I think they even realised and at one point uh, might have been Crofty even said you know oh, I'm not sure what time it is in Perth but I know it's this time in Sydney it's like just fucking Google it like it's pretty yeah, two easy seconds to figure yeah. out what time it is in Perth <laughs> and it just you know it was just stuff like that where you're like come on like this this is this is the this is the guy who's going to win his first race in three years he's had probably one of the toughest seasons mentally of any driver in the paddock. And and you could see that emotion when Daniel won. He was he was speechless, and uh, you know, he he looked like he was about to cry. So you know, uh, it was just little things like that that just just really bugged me. But no, I think for what it's worth, Danny Rick, I really hope he's back. More drives like this, please. Um, more drives like this from Lando as well, if, and Valtteri, um, and Valtteri, yeah, and Valtteri. I mean, if you if you've got a third team that is challenging for victories at some of these racetracks. We could be on for a real, a real finale to this season because, um, because it, it's just it's just so exciting, you know. And who would have thought at the beginning of the year, McLaren would have been up here getting podiums and getting the first one-two podium of the whole season? Yeah, incredible. Touch on one other team just really quickly. What is happening with Schumacher at the moment? I mean, he was. He hit Vettel at one point. He's he he kind of messed up the the qualifying lap the week before. He's a yeah. little off his source. What's uh... yeah? I think he is. I think he is. I, look, I, it's no secret that him and Nikita aren't having a great time as <laughs> um, as teammates. I mean, they're not having a good time, regardless of whether they're having a good time together. But well, yeah, that Haas is a joke. Um, look, this. I know you don't follow Formula Two, but this was similar to his first year in in Formula Two, where he he was feeling things out. He's trying to figure out how he fits into the car and, and things like that. His second season in Formula 2 was was outstanding and obviously that was the year that he, he won the championship. So, look, I think this year was always going to be a bit exploratory for Mick. Yeah, I think running into Sebastian 
can't be good and, and I don't think he's going <laughs> to... I don't I, think it's know, ideal. He, he seems like that those two really seem like they have a very, very special relationship. And, and I think that would have, that would have really probably hurt Mick that he, that he did that to Seb. But no, look, I think he's definitely got talent that, that Haas car right now, this season is an absolute dog. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, think, I think, I think you could put anyone in that, in that car and they'd, they'd be coming 19th, 20th. The other team I did want to touch on real quick, Alpha Tori. What a weekend. Speaking yeah. of weekends from hell. My God, mm. poor Pierre. I mean, it was the lightest of touch with Ricardo, and he lost his wing in the sprint when he'd passed Hamilton. He was, was four. About to say, you know, the, the, the real, the real uh, tragedy of all of that was that you know he was running a very, very good race. He came out flying. We all know that Pierre is is a great driver, and have it's probably if, if Lando is my number one driver of the year. Pierre's got to be very close to my number two driver of the year. He he's just been phenomenal um, for the car that he's in. You know, I think he he really drives absolutely superbly. And yeah, just the slightest of touches sent his wing a little wonky, and then his wing came out from under him, and off he went. Yuki obviously he was lining up for the formation lap, and next minute the car was in the pits and brake problems, and the car wasn't wasn't going to run the race. So yeah, bit of a disaster Yuki's out again. Bit of a disaster. But disaster. For just the to touch on. Just to touch on Yuki, though, did you hear uh, throughout the week they re-signed him oh, and they, the, they? A, reporter asked, a reporter asked him, this is great, a reporter said, you know, oh, how do you feel about uh, about being re-signed for Alpha Tori? And um, Yuki, in his own indomitable way, said, uh, said, yeah, I'm quite surprised that they re-signed me because I crash a lot. <laughs> <laughs> if that doesn't make you want to love the guy, I mean, what does? I mean, at least... You know, he's so angry on the radio, he's though. He's good for oh, that. He's so funny. Cool. But no, look, I think I think Sochi's going to be interesting. Max, with this grid penalty, I think he definitely takes the full penalty and just replaces his power unit, starts at the back of the grid and, and hopes for the best. I honestly see that being their best course of action. We'll see what happens with Red Bull, but I'm anticipating that Max gets a new power unit, sucks up the, sucks up the loss in Sochi, and then probably comes back strong for the last seven races of the match. Yeah, probably a good way to look at it. Um, for those who aren't big F1 people or don't really follow, he gets a penalty if he takes a new... You get so many engines per year, basically. If you take an extra engine, basically it's a 20-grid penalty, something like that, 20-place penalty. Back of the, yeah. You're sent to the back of the grid. And it's a track that he can overtake on, so he can make his way up through Brilliant. the field again and copies copies whack. He's already got three grid places, so he may as well... I'm with you. He may as well just take the whole kit and caboodle and just... Yeah, keep keep fresh tires and get yourself out in Q one. Yep, <laughs> like, got, what, I mean, he why has not? To do it. Honestly, he's got, he's got to do it before the end of the season. Mm. So this is a perfect time. You know, you do you do what you do what you need to do, and I think that's probably why um, Red Bull aren't going to appeal this decision. Um, they're just going to pop it on the chin and replace the power unit, and off they go. Yep, tend to agree. All right, thanks, buddy. You take it easy over there in Dubai, and we'll talk soon. That's all, folks.